If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, uh, we're going to open up to James chapter 3 this morning. The title of our message is Seeing Red. What could that possibly be alluding to? We've been having a lot of great conversations today, constructive conversations, but sometimes convicting conversa- conversations, which is part of having constructive ones, I, I think. Uh, we're going to have some fun today. We're also going to get pretty serious today, but I think God's going to help us out a lot, and uh, I hope and pray that we can receive the help that he has for us. I'll be honest, I don't know if I've digested all the help that he wants me to have from this message. So I'm still uh, working on it. Uh, so it's a work in progress from my preaching, also from my hearing. And I, I think it'll be the same for all of us, but God is here to help us. And that's uh, why we're here. So uh, again, if you have a Bible, James chapter three, but before we get into uh, the, the serious part, Let's have a little fun. This might not be fun. This might make some of you have some, some uh, I don't know, this might make it worse today. I don't know, but we'll, we'll see where it goes. Have you ever been a victim of or the reactor in road rage? Surely none of you, right? Chris is raising his hand. Thank you for being honest, Chris. God is uh, standing in heaven giving you an ovation because ovation, all of us liars today uh, won't admit it. No, I didn't ask y'all to raise your hand, so it's okay. Um, have you ever been? Of course you have. We've all been involved in road rage. I'm sure most of you are the victims of road rage, but some of you uh, engage in it. Some of you maybe are more prone to it than others. And again, be honest because God is watching and he knows your hearts, right? Um, but now before we get too far into that, I want everybody, but sometime today, don't do it right now because you'll get distracted, I promise you, because it distracted me for about 20 minutes. I want everybody to go on Google and just Google road rage and go to the images and just look at the stock images that come up because they are hilarious. You will be looking at pictures of people, people just like us, but for whatever reason, they're stuck on the internet getting made fun of. Go on Google and just type in road rage and look at some of the images. I tell you, they are so, so hilarious. And I guess these are real people, but they're probably those things they show you in driver's ed to say, don't look like this person. Um, or whatever. Uh, AAA has these on their website. I guess they're just humiliating people that pay them. Uh, but some of my favorite pictures of all time are in that image r- uh, results. And I wanted to share a few with you. Um, these are people, so you Google road rage. I mean, these are, these are what you look like. I mean, I've seen some of these people in your, on, on y'all's faces. That guy biting his steering wheel. Like, what is the, what is the deal? I mean, you know, next time I get in the car with some of y'all, I'm going to look at your steering wheels and see if there's some, um, some teeth marks that would hurt. Uh, and then there's uh, that, that guy, which is his eyes are about to come out of his head. So uh, again, there's, you know, I'm not just picking on, I know there's two men, there's just one lady. I, I couldn't fit a bunch of pictures on the screen. There's a lot of pictures of people doing the things that we all do uh, when we get angry on the road. So these, these are those pictures. Again, they show you these in driver's ed to say, don't look like these people, but we still look like these people and we, we imitate them. I don't think anybody bites their steering wheel, but that's, you know, that's the dramatic effect, uh, dramatic uh, presentation of, um, of road rage. But for real, I think there's some of us that we might not describe our reaction as actual road rage. We would think that we're not as, you know, our our rage on the road isn't hardcore road rage. Um, But, you know, it's not limited to, we often think about people getting out of their car and beating on the window. When I was in high school, a bunch of us were following each other home from uh, School of Tech or Gaston College. And there was somebody where the road widens out going toward West Lincoln. Somebody passed a car in a no passing zone. And there was a lady that got out of her car and went up to the, person that passed her at the stoplight and uh, she was just screaming at him and then when the light turned green he just pulled off and then she was mad more mad because he didn't stop and listen to her but that's what I think of of when I think of road rage but honestly I think road rage is more broad and I think it hits all of us if we're being you know down to the 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 nitty-gritty of what it means so 
to be an unbiased judge, I want to bring the definition of road rage before us today so all of us can get hit with it because I think it affects all of us. Road rage is aggressive or dangerous behavior by a driver that involves and is not limited to rude, offensive gestures. Now, y'all know what those gestures are, but I'll let you imagine. Um, verbal expressions, and isn't it funny when you're verbally expressing through glass and nobody can hear you, but you can read their lips, but you know, if you're not looking, you can't. You know, you verbal expressions, and then the worst kind of road rage is dangerous reactionary moves. So getting out of your car or doing something with your car, or making it a weapon. I mean, why would you do that? But people do. But road rage, really, all of these reactions are meant to intimidate somebody because you're in a big car, you know, and hey, you know, look at me, I can hurt you and I don't want to hurt you, but I, I, I'm threatening to. All of these are to intimidate or really they're, they are about releasing frustration, releasing frustration. So we're not really doing it to get back at them. We're doing it to get something out of us, which might tell us more than we have thought about before when it comes to not just road rage, but rage. Now, the craziest part about road rage is usually it's almost always towards somebody we don't know. It's usually toward a complete stranger. Like we're angry at somebody that we don't know. And of course, if we knew them, maybe we'd be a little bit less uh, angry towards them, but we're just you know, going off the, the hook at somebody that we don't even know. And maybe that's what makes us more likely to unleash the full force of our anger, maybe that makes it more, you know, cathartic. Now, now the fun fact about road rage, studies show, and, and I didn't make this up, this is the facts, it's not me, because it, uh, even if I might agree with this, studies show that people with lo a lot of decals on their car are more prone to road rage. Now, again, I didn't make that up, I didn't come up with that. So if you have decals on your car, I'm, I promise you that wasn't towards you. But studies show that people with a lot of decals on the car, and I, and I know what you're thinking, you're thinking there's certain kinds of decals, but not just decals toward one way or another, but people with decals on their car are more prone to road rage. Uh, uh, and, and, and again, that's just, just what the facts say, but you know, road rage, road rage has a cousin that's called internet rage. Now, this is a new thing that's just been around for, you know, 20 years or so compared to road rage, but road rage is a cousin and it pretty much operates the same way as road rage. Um, and I think the same is true. Uh, people that have a lot in their bio about what they believe and who they are and all that stuff, they are more likely to engage in internet rage than people that just kind of are discreet and kind of going about their business. Uh, but, uh, you know, look out for those people, the people with decals, people with the, 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 a lot of words, a lot of things that they're trying to tell you who they are and, hey, watch out for me. But, um, the internet rage, it's a, bit, it's a bit different than road rage. Uh, sometimes online rage, sometimes we do direct it towards people, but there's ways to be rude and express our rage on the internet and intimidate people on the internet without actually directing it towards somebody. That in the modern world, we can do things called subliminally post or share things, and maybe you've never done this, I know you haven't, but somebody has out there, and maybe they've done it towards you, that they don't direct something towards you, but they say something that, yeah, we all know who they're talking to, and you all know who they're talking to, and it makes you mad when they're talking about you. Why didn't they just directly say it to you? But you've done the same thing haven't you? Of course, you can get right at somebody if you want to. It just depends on what suits you best. Uh, but I've got to share with you, I've learned how to deal with um, road rage or internet rage, but particularly road rage. I've learned how to deal with those exhibiting road rage or, or internet rage. And the secret is never make eye contact. 
Never make eye contact. Do not acknowledge that the person is trying to release frustration by being aggressive towards you. Now, sometimes this can make them more mad, but usually when the beast is not fed, they calm down. They might say something about my driving, but I think it's more about how angry people are out there. You know, I feel like I have to not make eye contact with a lot of people. I wonder why. Um, but uh, I don't know. But, when, you know, there, there's, I got to tell you, when you're in the car and someone's mad at you, and I have a little bit of experience with this, when people are mad at you for doing something, I don't know what they're mad about, but they're mad about something. When they're mad and out of the periphery of your vision, vision you can see them getting angry. It, it is a it is a joyful thing to know that you're not looking at them, but you can kind of tell that they're angry at you, but you're not pleasuring them by looking at them. Oh, that's such a fun thing. I love doing that. When people are mad at me and I can tell they're mad at me, but I'm just driving, I'm not looking at you, you know, and they're angry. It makes them mad. You know, they get mad, more mad, but then they diffuse because again, when you don't feed the beast, when you don't make eye contact with it, it calms down. Now, this message is not about being a victim of road rage or a victim of internet rage or any kind of rage. This message, unfortunately, unfortunately, this message is about exposing and revealing that within all of us is a certain level of rage and anger. Within all of us, and I know, I know, not you, not you, but yes, you. Within all of us is a certain level of rage and anger. And just in case somebody's already convicted and on the defense, um, you know, I didn't intend on that already, but if you are, already convicted and on the defense. I know what your response to this will be because it's the same thing as I responded when I began writing this a few weeks ago. I know what your response is gonna be. Your response is, we're not filled with rage or anger. I'm not angry, I'm just frustrated. I mean, I'm not angry and I'm frustrated and I'm indignant at the wrong and the unfairness around me. It may seem like I'm angry. And as I raise my voice, it may seem like I'm angry, but I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated with all the people out there that just can't do what they're supposed to do, particularly within regards to me. Now, I want us to say this out loud as if we're saying it for real because I am accusing you of being angry. So I want you to respond as you would normally respond. I want us to say it out loud because I think it's important that we admit that this is how we respond to when somebody or something says, hey, you're angry, you need to deal with that. Our response often is, I'm not angry, I'm just frustrated. And if the world got it right, it would get better. So let's go back and let's say this out loud together. I'm not angry, I'm just frustrated. You sound kind of angry though when you said that. <laughs> I know some of you are gonna vehemently disagree with me and I hear you, I, I disagree with me too, but hey, we're here. I've argued with myself for weeks about this and I feel like saying it out loud kind of makes me accountable and it makes y'all accountable too. But I've learned something over the last couple of months. I've learned that anger and frustration are the same thing. Frustration just sounds more dignified. Frustration sounds more reactionary. Frustration sounds like it's not my fault, somebody else's fault. Anger sounds so sinister, it sounds so wrong, but they're the same thing. Frustration is an expression of something deeper and much more sinister, and we've got to talk about it. 
We've got to. Now, we've been in a series called Fiery Dart over the last couple of weeks, and it's all about the Bible calling for us to put our shields up, our shields of faith, uh, over our hearts, over our emotions, because there is an enemy. There is an enemy who prowls and lurks and aims at our hearts with fiery uh, darts, flaming arrows. His intentions are to burn us up and set us on fire in all the wrong ways. We've talked about different emotions that the devil convinces us to harbor and entertain. We've talked about doubt. We've talked about jealousy. We've talked about fear. And, uh, but, but what causes our hearts to be on fire in all the wrong ways more than anger? Yeah, doubt and jealousy and fear are big things that we've got to address. And we've spent a long time talking about them. But what leads us to spreading more and more fire more than anger? Anger, as it turns out, like every emotion that becomes a dominant force in our hearts, it can be a complicated subject to talk about because it's so hard to get somebody who is angry to admit that they're angry, as we've already discussed. And even more, if, even if we admit that we're angry and agree that it's bad for us, anger does not let go of us without a fight. And I know I'm talking about it, uh, and particularly talking about the underlying causes can be emotional. I know the solution to anger is more nuanced than just let it go. But, but if we don't address anger, anger will own us. You can be justified in it. You can be righteous in it in your own mind. Anger can be something that everybody else would agree with you. You have a right to be angry. I would be angry if I were you too. But if you do not address your anger, Anger will own you and it will open you up to much, much worse. If we don't want anger to own us, we've got to own it. Particularly, we've got to own the fact that anger is not just a response. Anger is a release. You see that? Anger is not just something that kind of exists around us and we throw back. Anger is something that is deep-seated within us that we release. Anger comes from a wounded heart, a heart struck by an arrow, but a heart that reacts and releases, a heart that is vulnerable and hurt. So if you're angry today, there's a good chance that you're hurt about something by somebody. And you know what they say about people that are hurt? Hurt people, hurt people. It's what we do. And we've all been hurt by somebody who was hurt. And we've all hurt people, haven't we? Hurt people, hurt people. A wounded heart will wound others if it's not treated. A wounded heart will cause us to pull the fiery arrows out of our flesh and hurl them towards somebody else. Jesus put it this way. So don't take my word for it, take Jesus. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. Out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. So notice what Jesus says here, that anger comes from the heart. And it causes us to do more than just say angry things. It causes us to do things that anger justifies, that anger endorses. If we don't take control of anger, anger will take control of us and anger will cause us to lose control. Now, I know none of you have ever lost control, but if you're still harboring anger, you're on the road to losing control. And if you have lost control, you know that, it's, you know that this is true. You see, the reason we're angry, 
The reason you're angry and do things that express that anger is because inside of you is a heart that needs to heal. So if you can admit that you, are an, you have anger, it's telling that our hearts are wounded. Our hearts need to heal. But the remedy, and here's the, the, the big, you know, I guess you would expect it by now, the catch. The remedy might not come the way you think it will come. Now, in order to get this, to get this help, we've got to be honest about it. So as all of us struggle with anger, there's two kinds of angry people. There's two kinds of anger. There's extroverted anger and there's passive anger. So this is all of us. Extroverted anger is loud. It's in your face. It doesn't wait to talk about it. Passive anger never talks about it, but they never get over it. Now, we all understand that we've all been on the receiving end of extroverted and passive anger, and we've all possessed one of these two, probably not both of them, usually we're one or the other. Just because you don't lash out at people doesn't mean you don't fill the room with a certain level of tension when you deal with anger in your own way. Now, I know it's tempting to think about the people in your life, because you're already doing this. I know it's tempting to think about the people in your life and categorize them. Well, I know someone who's extroverted with their anger. I know someone who's passive with their anger. I know what kind of anger my husband has. I know what kind of anger my mom or my dad or my wife has. I know what kind of anger all my coworkers have. And I I get all that. But for just a minute, can we not think about other people? Because I know you're already thinking about other people and that's okay because that's what we do as people. We think about other people, not ourselves. But can I ask you a question? What kind of angry person are you? What kind of angry person are you? Now, don't ask your spouse this, what kind of angry person am I? Because they'll tell you, and that'll hurt. Ask yourself this, because it's going to come a lot better if you talk about it. What kind of angry person are you? Because we're all angry, not just frustrated, we're angry. About a, about a decade ago, and I can't believe it's been this long. It's really been more than a decade ago. There was this phenomenon that swept over the world as people began to get smartphones with touchscreens. There was this phenomenon called Angry Birds. I know my nieces and nephews were they were little, and this was the big thing. You know what they? You know why they were called Angry Birds? Because it was a game about a bunch of birds that were all angry. And if you know anything about Angry Birds, they all looked different, but they all had a scowl because they were all angry. They looked different. They were different colors, different kinds of birds, but they were all angry. You see, you might think that you're unique with your anger. You might think that nobody has the reason to be angry that you have. You might think that nobody else has the hurt that you have. You might think, and maybe you're right, that nobody has been affected by other people's misbehavior like you. And maybe you're right, but you have the same anger that everybody else has. Regardless of what kind of anger and how we express it, if we boil the anger down, if we boil anger down to its, mo- to its smallest, most reductional definition, anger is the result of not getting what we think we deserve. Now you say, well, no, I got punched in the face and that's why I got mad. Well, you got, pun- you got mad because you didn't want to get punched in the face. It was that reactionary. But all kind of anger, whether it's split second anger or long festering anger, all kind of anger is the result of not getting what we deserve. Now, maybe you don't just think you deserved it. Maybe you know you deserve it. 
Maybe you were promised it. Maybe someone stood in front of you in an altar and promised you something and they didn't keep their promise. Maybe someone sat across the desk from you and promised you something. Maybe someone under you or around you or with you promised you something. Or maybe you know as a person, as a man, as a woman, you deserve this and you didn't get it. And of course you're angry. But still, isn't it true that anger can be summed up in this simple statement? Anger says, you owe me, right? Anger says, I am in it. I'm in a loss. I've lost something. I'm hurting because you took from me. You did something to me. You owe me, therefore, I'm angry. That's only the beginning of what it can do and what it can cause us to do. And, and here's where we're going to start with this conversation. I know we're, we're 20, 10 minutes in, but here's where we're going to start. Anger is arrogant. And, and if you're here today and you're resisting this, if you're arguing against this, if you're denying this, there's a reason why you are denying and resisting and disagreeing. It's because anger does not ever admit it's wrong. That's why when you try to argue with angry people, whew, there's no win. Because anger is arrogant. Anger is belligerent. Anger is hostile. Anger is assertive and aggressive. And the more you argue with anger, it gets more arrogant. Anger is arrogant. Arrogance always believes it's smarter than anybody else. And it's on that note that I want us to hear from James, the brother of Jesus, who picks up on the notion that Jesus taught, that Paul believed, that whatever is in us works its way out of us in all the worst ways. James has a word for us about anger. He begins by giving us a word about arrogance. So if you wonder why we're going to be talking about arrogance first, it's because James kind of backdoor back approaches this. He kind of traces it backwards. James says, I've got to talk to you all about arrogance because it's there I'll get to you about anger. He has a word for us about anger, but he begins by giving us a word about arrogance so he can get us in the right corner so listen to James as he begins to focus in on what I think is such an important conversation. James 3.13. Who is wise in understanding about you, among you? Let him or her show by good conduct that, they, that his works are done in humility and meekness of wisdom. But if you have a bitter and envy and self-seeking nature in your hearts. If you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above. It is earthly. It is sensual. And these are not my words. These are James' words. That is demonic. Now, we don't use that word a lot in the church, especially to describe things like arrogance. James says it's demonic. It's maybe more serious than you thought, right? Wise people are humble people. There's no wisdom in arrogance. Just because they're loud doesn't mean they're smart. And the reason why James is talking about wisdom here, because he's trying to get us to understand that anger is blinding. Anger is irrational. And of course we know that because how many times have you had to explain your actions by saying something like this? I was angry when I said that or did that. Ever said that before? I was, oh, I, I know I said that. I know I did that. But you, gotta, you have to understand, I was angry when I said that. I know I was angry and I was arrogant and I thought I was right and you were wrong. So I did something that was wrong. 
I was angry when I said that. I was angry. You know what that really is? Anger brought out a new version of you. It's been cooking up. And it's good at preparing somebody that you don't even recognize. Look at verse 16. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are. So when we harbor things like anger in our hearts, our hearts begin deploying warheads. It takes fiery arrows and returns them as ballistic missiles. So if you are harboring anger, if you are harboring anger in your hearts, you're entertaining and boasting and celebrating, excusing, defending, justifying anger, James says in verse 15 or verse 14, you're denying the truth, the truth that you are endangering yourself and you're endangering those around you. What begun as a crusade for what you deserve resulted in conflict. Because anger leads to arrogance and arrogance leads to anything goes. And the first thing that goes are the things listed in verse 17. Wisdom that is from above is pure and peaceable and gentle, willing to yield. Now, anger is not pure. Anger is not peaceable. Anger is not gentle. And by no means does anger yield. You know what that means? That means, hey, you go. Oh, road rage. Oh, I'm sorry. You made a mistake. You go on. Anger never yields, does it? Anger never says, well, okay, before I become irrational, let me hear your side of the story. Anger is always right and anger never yields. But it says the wisdom that's from above is peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Again, these are not things that angry people produce. If you're angry, you will burn bridge after bridge. You will be like a fire-breathing dragon that scorches the earth with no, no thought about what you are actually doing. Because anger produces fire and fire burns everything, even things that it likes or loves. You may not even be able to explain why you did things you just do because anger, as it says there, uh, causes us to be confused. Anger causes us to lose control. Verse 16 says there's confusion when we're angry. Now jump into chapter 4 because James now rolls his sleeves up and gets right to it. Listen to how he draws out the root of our conflicts in our broken relationships and pay attention to what he says the source of this is. Where do wars and fights come from among you? And he's talking about you as people, you as families, you as couples, you as churches. Where do these wars and strifes and fights come from? Do they not come from, and this is James' way of saying, I know where they come from. Maybe you agree, maybe you won't, but I'm gonna tell you where they come from. Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? And that's his way of saying your heart, your soul. So what does James tell us about the root of anger? Anger is not caused by a what? By something somebody did to us? Anger is caused by a who? To which we say, yeah, I could have told you that. I can tell you who caused my anger. And James says, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm talking about you. What, what does verse four say twice? Your desires for your pleasures. Anger comes because you did not get what you wanted. Well, I deserved it. I was promised it. I, I know, I know. 
But James is not trying to say whether it was just or right or good. He's just trying to get us to admit where it came from. And there's part of you that doesn't want to go down this road because you feel like you're letting something go. And maybe that's the point. Maybe that's what you need. Because James is not concerned about who's at fault. James is concerned about where anger is coming from. And I know what we say. They keep frustrating me. They keep hurting me. They keep letting me down. They keep taking from me. And James says, I know, I know, I know, I know. But it's still your anger. Hello? I know they might be helping bring it out in you. I know they should do better. I know, I know, I know they promised you deserve and I get all that and they're family and they should be doing, I get all that. But James says, it's your anger and you've got to put out the fire. They are not causing your anger. Your anger is rooted in your heart and we want something that we, des- re- we deserve, we expect, that we were promised and we aren't getting it. Now think back to when you were a kid and you were in the back seat with your sibling and you were fighting with your sibling and you wouldn't stop and your parents just kind of ignored it because they know why you were fighting. Think about when you were stuck in the house on a rainy day and you couldn't go outside and you were stuck in the house and you just kept arguing with your brother or your sister. You know why you kept arguing? Because you wanted your way and they wanted their way and there was only one TV, right? You wanted your way and they wanted their way and there was only one thing in the car that they could get, that you could, you know, have your way with. You wanted your way, they wanted their way and you kept butting heads and your parents knew why you were angry. They knew why you were fighting because neither of you, neither of us wanted to admit that we were at fault. Now listen to the hyperbole that James says in verse two. You lust and you do not have. You want your way and you don't get it. You murder and you covet. Now I think he's being hyperbolic. Now literally people murder because they wanted their way and didn't get it and they go crazy, you know, go out of control. But that's a hyperbole here. You murder and you covet and you cannot obtain. You fight and you war. If you don't recognize, and come on, if we do not recognize the source of our anger is not them. I know they hurt you. I know they let you down. I know they caused a little bit of it, but they did not make you angry. You allowed it. We will become someone that we would have never believed we could and do things that we would never thought we would do if we justify our anger again and again. Isn't it true? The root of our worst actions come from a place of feeling like somebody owes us something. What do you do when you let that fester? I know what you do. You can't get your way and they're in the way so you get them out of the way and you get your way come whatever it takes. And sometimes you get even. And sometimes getting even involves you doing things that you would never ever want anyone to know about. But I know why you did it. You know why you did it. You were angry. And they deserved it, didn't they? And you deserve something that they didn't give you, so you got something else. But you don't feel any better, do you? Listen to what James teases out here in the end of verse 2. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. So James says we get angry and we go after things that we don't, we know is not going to make us happy, yet we don't have because we do not ask. You ask, verse 3, and do not receive because you ask amiss and you spend it on your pleasures, as in you let anger take control and anger get its way. And where does that get you? 
James says you don't have what you could have because you don't ask for it because you're asking and getting after the wrong things. James says there's something better available for us, but if we excuse our anger, we'll never get it. And then he doesn't hold back in verse 4. Adulterers and adulteresses. Now, this isn't about sexuality, is it? He's saying that we are cheating on God. He's saying that we're putting our affection on our flesh, not on God. That's what he means by calling us adulterers and adulteresses. Do you know that friendship with the world is enmity against God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And what he means is that when we go about the world's way to get our way, we are against what God says and we are going against God's way. So when you let anger, what does he say back in chapter 3, verse 16, or verse 15? It's demonic. Again, not my words. James says when we let anger harbor in our hearts, when we let anger build and build and justify and excuse and boast and take control, we are betraying. Who? God. So Christians... If we think anger is okay to be harbored in our hearts, we've lost touch with our faith and we've lost touch with our salvation. And can I step out and, and suggest that we have all allowed this to happen to us a time or two? And maybe if you're being honest, this is you right now. You're angry. You're more angry than you're not angry. And you have a little bit of joy and happiness, but it's usually not when you're around the people that you wish would make you happy. And that's weird, isn't it? Now, I know what you're thinking. Because this is what I wrote to me as if I was listening to myself, because this is how my brain works. Are you honestly telling me that I'm the one at fault over something that was done to me and taken from me? Because that's what it sounds like. And I'm not saying that. You didn't make them do it. Of course, it's not your fault. But that's the world we live in, isn't it? People don't always keep their promises. People don't always give us what we deserve. No, it's not your fault that they did that and took. I'm not saying you're the one at fault. But I am saying you're the one at risk. Do you see this? You're not at fault. But you are at risk, most at risk, because it's your anger, not theirs. And anger is fire, and fire burns, and you're the one at risk on this side of it. Is that fair? No, it's not fair. Fairness went out the door in Genesis 3. It's not fair, but it's true. So what are you going to do about your anger? What are we going to do about our anger? If you've come along this far with me, I promise God wants to help you. So don't dismiss this yet. So here's what we're going to do about our anger. Or here's what I'm going to do, and I hope that you'll do it with me. And at least try, at least try, because I don't think you're getting anywhere better otherwise. Admit the cause and embrace the cure. The cause is I'm not getting my way and I'm angry about it. Why are you angry? Because I want my way. That's the cause. Well, well, there's more to it. I know there's more to it, but that's not what's causing it. You're not getting your way, so that's why you're angry. I know it's in a vacuum, but you've got to do this, and especially in your relationship. Stop in the middle of the fight and just say it to yourself or say it out loud. I'm angry because I want my way, and you're in my way, 
and you shouldn't be in my way, or at least if you were the person I thought you were or want you to be, you wouldn't be in my way. The alternative is you stay angry until someone pacifies you and it bulls and it bulls and then you become a bull in a china shop and everybody suffers. And you'll do things you regret. So the real reason I'm angry is I'm not getting my way. Can we say that together? The real reason I'm angry is I'm not getting my way. And I know you deserve your way. I know, I know, I know. And they shouldn't and they should. I get all that. But the reason I'm angry it's I'm not getting my way. Did somebody hurt you? Did somebody take from you? Did somebody let you down? Maybe, probably, absolutely. But they did not put anger in you. And you and I allowed it to form and fester. And only I can put it in its place. The real reason I'm angry. I tell you, this is therapeutic. And there's part of us that doesn't want to let go down this road because you know why you don't want to do it? You feel like you're letting somebody off the hook, don't you? Maybe that's the goal. It doesn't feel right, does it? But the devil is trying to tell you, oh, don't do that, don't do that. You shouldn't, they should have, and that's why you're angry. Don't listen to the preacher. And I, don't listen to me about a lot of things, but listen to me on this. Anger wants to keep you to itself. Anger came from your own dissatisfaction, the messy part of living in a fallen world. You're easily dissatisfied. You're easily and often let down. But thankfully, there is a cure. But it's not of this world. What does James say in verse 3? You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss or you ask in the wrong way. And down in verse 6, here is what we have available to us. He gives more grace. You might not like the answer, but God has a solution for your letting down your hurts and for the wrong things done to you, and it's him. It's his grace. But only, you'll only receive yourself if you humbly get yourself out of the way. What does it say? God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So James knows what we're going to do. We're going to resist this because our pride says, oh, I'm not letting go. I'm not letting them off the hook. I'm not, I'm not going to forgive them. Who are you crazy? They don't deserve that. James says, it's fine, but you won't get what God has for you. And I promise you it's better than what they could give you. That might be a little bit heavy for somebody, but it's true. If we admit the cause and embrace the cure, what does verse seven say? Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil. Verse 16 of chapter three says that's demonic. What is demonic? Anger, arrogance, resist the devil. Flee, he will flee from you. Verse eight, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. You know what double-minded means? That you're defending your anger, but you also claim you want peace. How's that gonna happen? Well, if they would just stop being wrong, <laughs> I wouldn't have to be angry. You won't get any help if you hold on to anger because anger is arrogant and anger is irrational and anger leaves us helpless. That part of you that crosses your arms and says, nope, I'm not letting go of angry. God's grace is by no means better than my own way. That is the pride verse six is talking about. That is the pride 
And that sense of unhappiness we feel, that emptiness we feel, may be the result of our anger having detached us from the presence of God that verse 7 and 8 says we only experience if we're humble. So i got to ask you, what is your relationship with anger? I bet it's hindering some of your most important relationships, isn't it? It lingers, it hides, it lurks, it raises its weapon every time we have an ounce of joy. It says, don't let them off the hook. And there are certain relationships, there are certain environments that anger looms and chokes out every bit of life that springs up. When you look at someone and when you think of someone, are you still seeing what they did and took from you? Are you still letting anger be the lens through which you see them? Maybe you justify your actions against them. Is that true for you? I mean, this is heavy, but a lot of this pertains to what goes on in our own homes, doesn't it? What goes on in our own families. Can I just be honest with you? If you're waiting on someone to repay you or do things right after being wrong for so long, if you're waiting on someone to repay you to get you out of your anger, you might be waiting a long time. You might. The truth is we don't have to wait on them to give us what we might not and what they might not and might not be able to give us and what might not actually make us happy. And that after all, yes, somebody who hurts you should make that hurt right, of course. But I'm telling you, there's a good chance that whatever they do to make it right won't be enough for you. And then what will you do? Just stay angry? Sounds like a fun way to live. A lot of us are living there, aren't we? Maybe they're not even here to fix it. Maybe they can't fix it. Maybe they can't undo what they did. You're just going to stay angry? Come on. And this is something that anger doesn't want you to hear, but maybe you need to hear this. And this is, this is the whole point of the message. Anger may have been triggered by someone, but it can only be cured by a Savior. Even if that somebody repays you and makes it all right, that will not cure your anger. You might think it will, but it won't. It'll find something else to light the fire. Even if they give you what you want, even if they repay you, even if they make it right, anger will not release you because anger will still convince you there's debt there that they didn't make right. Don't listen to the lies. Don't play with fire. Anger must allow God to defeat it. Another person, even the perpetrator, is not able to. So how can we find the cure? What's better than getting what we want? It's getting what you need. And what you need comes from God, not anybody else. Do you hear me on that? What you need comes from God, not anybody else. Even if what they did to you was wrong, even if they should make it right, that will not be enough for what you need. And it won't be enough for you to let go of your anger. James 4, 3, and 6 are shouting at us. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amidst. God gives more grace. And if God promises you something, that means you can count on it. If there's part of you that's holding on to getting your way, can I suggest that you're getting in your own way? The promises of God's sovereign hand allowed someone to hurt you, then his good and gracious hand will allow something to come better your way. Isaiah 57, God promises this. I've seen his ways. I've seen his hurt. I will heal him. I will lead him and I will restore their comfort. And that refers to all of us. I will heal. I will lead. I will comfort. But let me just say this, to get this comfort, to get this grace, to get this healing, we have to believe that what God has done for us and what God has for us is greater than what anybody took from us or did against us. 
That's not easy, is it? But that's the secret. And speaking of what God has done for us, did Jesus get what he deserved in this life? In fact, he got exactly what he did not deserve on our behalf, right? I mean, he denied himself of what he wanted again and again in order that he might give us what we needed most and what we deserved the least. Paul says, you know the grace of the Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, but your, for your sake became poor, that by his poverty, emptying himself out, you get what you need, what nobody else can give you. God had a just cause to be angry at us, yet he went to extreme measures to forgive us. And, and here's the big one. If God did not harbor anger towards us, how can we harbor anger towards anybody? In fact, Christians, this isn't an option for us. There are zero excuses given for us to ignore this. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4, listen to this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil be put from you and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. It's Ephesians 4, 32. God has made peace with you through Christ. Jesus is our peace. So when he sees us, he sees Jesus. So what if we started seeing Jesus instead of the person that we're angry at? And what if we started seeing his blood instead of allowing our blood to boil? What if instead of seeing red with anger, we started seeing the red blood of Jesus, the grace that did for us what we did not deserve, that gives us what we need the most? And that as we are forgiven, we will forgive. And as we are humble, we will receive grace because God took it on himself to make amends for us. He has avenged us, providing a solution that others might not and cannot provide. He is our peacemaker. He has gotten in between two parties and made peace because that peace destroys anger. And with God's peace and with God's grace, what others can't and won't give us we can let anger go and anger has to let go of us and anger no longer controls us when we receive what God has for us. Because guess what? You know why your heart has changed at all? Because God forgave you in Christ. Your heart would be as hard as a rock and maybe it is if not for Jesus dying for you. So having received this gift, you can forgive others. Therefore, God might soften their hearts through that work. If you've embraced what God has done for you, then you don't see it as letting them off the hook because you know God's already let you off the hook. And this is even more important. The only way anger subsides is when you forgive them and allow God to heal your heart. People who hurt you can never undo and can never repay, but your heart will not be satisfied unless you accept the supernatural work of Jesus. Only God's grace can satisfy your heart. Do what James says. He Humble yourself. He will give you grace. And once you've stepped into that better belonging, even if you were hurt or betrayed, what God gives is better than what they took. People that are angry, people that are angry and harbor anger don't talk about God's love because anger won't let them think about anything but anger. But today you've been given a way out. 
you've been given a solution. God wants to heal your heart and God wants to give you more grace and God wants to heal your relationships and God wants to give grace to them. And it begins by taking this teaching to those relationships, admitting the cause, embracing the cure and together seeing the red blood of Jesus instead of the red of your anger. So will you admit your anger? Will you? Can I invite you to see a different kind of red today? The red blood, the grace of God shed for you to forgive you, that helps you forgive them and helps you receive what they can't give you anyway. A satisfaction that surpasses what was taken by giving us something much greater. God's grace and God's peace. James says he gives more grace. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, all sinners. Let me just say this. There's a lot of people today, your hearts are shields up in all the wrong ways. You don't want to admit that you're angry and that you can solve that problem without anybody else doing anything. The devil does not want you to let go of that. It wants, he wants you to be angry at people until you die. And some of you will be angry until you die. But that's not God's way for you. God wants to give you his grace and give you his peace. And you can receive that today if you admit that what God has for you is better than what they took and what they did. Because Jesus took what you did deserve to give you what you don't deserve. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this heavy but so important conversation. Lord, thank you for breaking it down for us. Thank you for James as he worked through the back doors of our excuses. He identified our arrogance. He identified our excuses. He identified our resistance. And he said, this is why you are angry and you know how to find help, but you have to admit it first. Lord, would you work in this room today? And if there's people that have anger in their hearts and they want peace, they want your grace, Lord, would you bring them to that place of humility? Would you bring them to that place where they can receive what only you can give? And yes, people should do better. And yes, people should not do wrong. But that's not the reason we're angry. We're angry because somebody hurt us. Something wasn't given that we deserved. And we are waiting on a solution. But today we confess the solution is not found in this world. The solution is not found in anybody but Jesus. And by his grace, our hearts can heal. So Lord, we welcome that healing today. Would you start with us in Jesus' name? Amen.